0: Welcome to Fox Den Daily, your go-to podcast for news, humor, and courtroom drama. Here's your host, Megan Fox.
1: Welcome back to the show, everybody. I'm Megan Fox, and it's great to be here with you again today for a new week. It is February 26th. It is Monday. I hope you don't have a case of the Mondays. We have a lot to get to today. What is going on in the legal world? Our first case of today is What the Hails. Do you know about this YouTube channel? What the Hails is a YouTube channel. They are treasure hunters. They have almost they have over half a million uh, subscribers on YouTube. They are treasure hunters. They buy storage units and they resell the items. They teach people how to do it. They have a lot of philanthropy projects going because they're so successful. So they give away tons of money and uh things to needy organizations, etc. Well, anyway, they've had this big audience and they've been, you know, very loved in their community until they decided to buy some property in Levy County, Florida, Otter Creek. They bought 70 acres and they're having a problem with their neighbors. But I'm not even really that interested in the problem they're having with the neighbors. There's, you know, an order of protection that Jeremy Hales got against his neighbor. In Ohio, because Florida wouldn't give it to him. And then his neighbor goes and tries to get an order of protection against him in Florida, you know, a tit for tat thing. And the judge immediately grants it on a temporary injunction. But what he also does, this judge's name is Craig DeThomasis. He also violates Jeremy's First Amendment rights to speak about his case, and his Second Amendment rights takes away his ability to own firearms and protect himself without even having an evidentiary hearing on the matter. Now, the Hales, they maintain that they have done nothing to this woman, that she has been stalking and harassing them, and they did file the first harassment uh, action against her, and her response has just tied him up in court since October. Well, DUI guy Larry Foreman and me and Tug, that umbrella guy, we're all starting to cover this case. I wrote an article on it on pjmedia.com, which I would love for you to take a listen to. So I'm gonna read it to you. I, I tried to make it as short as possible because this case is extremely complicated. So I tried to narrow it down to the most important things. I've already told you who they are, so I'll skip into the middle. The injunction against Jeremy included an overbroad restriction of prior restraint on his free speech, ordering him not to talk about his neighbor on his YouTube channel. If anyone uses his neighbor's name on his channel or causes his neighbor uh, to be contacted, the judge says that Jeremy can go to jail. This puts journalists in an interesting position. If I reach out to the neighbor for her side of the story, a judge can jail Jeremy. In essence, a judge in Florida is restricting the right of the press to get to the heart of a story through threats of removing the liberty of the subject of the story. Regardless of the matters of fact between the neighbors, the real issue has become Judge Craig DeThomasis, who treats his courtroom like a star chamber. He has repeatedly chastised and berated Jeremy and his attorneys. He has refused to turn over public hearing recordings, claiming that they are private and can't be disseminated. He has refused to recuse himself two times and is now facing a third motion to recuse. One of the worst things the judge has done to Jeremy and his wife is to restrict Jeremy's movements on his own property without hearing the facts of the case. It has been months since the neighbor filed the protection order, and no evidentiary hearing has been held. Jeremy cannot drive on his private road because it abuts the neighbor's property, and he must stay 500 feet away from her property at all times. Further, he cannot use a large portion of his own front yard because of the injunction. Worse, his Second Amendment rights have been removed, with no evidentiary hearing to decide if he is actually a threat. Meanwhile, he says he's been threatened by the neighbor and her associates with all manner of bodily harm. He is also prohibited from hiring security due to the injunction, as he cannot be around anyone with guns. Larry Foreman, the DUI guy, a lawyer with a YouTube channel, and I went over the recent motion to dismiss the judge on a stream yesterday, Foreman has a recap of the events leading up to this situation in the video below. This will be an important and interesting case to watch. Can a judge show aggression and hostility toward a respondent in his court because the respondent is a YouTuber and the judge doesn't like public attention and stay on the case? The law says no. Will he follow it? So far, he hasn't, and it doesn't look like he will suddenly reform. Jeremy's evidentiary hearing is finally scheduled for March 1st, but to has put restrictions on his witnesses who don't appear to be on the plaintiff's witness list, which raises serious questions about how the trial can possibly be called fair. The judge has also forced the removal of one of Jeremy's lawyers due to the judge's naked hostility toward the lawyer, which is written in black and white all over his court orders. It's one of the worst cases of black Robitis that I've seen in some years. De Thomasis truly believes he is the law and that everything he says becomes the law, even though his job is to only to listen and interpret the law. Instead, De Thomasis spends inordinate amounts of time in every hearing, listening to the sound of his own voice, complaining about YouTube, Jeremy's attorneys, and anything else he can think of to avoid hearing the evidence. When Foreman began covering the story, His law firm received a hostile phone call, which some close to the story believe could be connected to the court system in Levy County. The individual said he is planning on filing a bar complaint against Foreman for covering the case. Retaliation against media trying to cover a public hearing creates a chilling effect on free speech. What is going on in that court? The American public should want to know. Let's hear that call that Larry Foreman got at his through his answering service.
0: Thank you for calling Foreman and Associates. How may I help you?
1: I'm watching Larry on YouTube right now. And I know his uh, buddy,
0: Jeremy Hells, loves people to phone flood. So is that what Larry also, is that how he thinks our justice system works? Mm-hmm. Should we just phone flood the courts until they can't do business anymore? Is that his legal strategy? I'm just, I'm asking for a friend. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, I'm not certain about that. Um, are you calling on behalf of someone who's needing legal assistance? No, I'm going to be filing a bar complaint against Larry. i so tell him to buckle up. <laughs> Bye. Okay.
1: Now that's really interesting. That is a threat. A threat to file a bar complaint against another lawyer who's just reporting a case in another state is insane. Um. <sighs> I find that to be horrific. And obviously there's a problem going on in the Levy County Court there uh, if they're trying to keep anybody from just talking about the story. Moving on with the article. No matter who is telling the truth in this case, the Constitution demands that an accused person has a right to face his accuser in public. This means in the open, free from censorship, gag orders, and unconstitutional assaults on free speech. Judge DeThomasis might not like What the Hales or Jeremy's speech, but he must, like the rest of us, tolerate it and restrain himself from favoring one side over the other. A judge is supposed to avoid even the appearance of bias, which DeThomasis has failed at spectacularly. He is clearly not fit to adjudicate this case and should not only recuse himself, but should be removed from the bench. To catch up on the details of this case, watch Foreman's interview with the Hales family, which I have linked in the show notes below for you. I was also on a live stream with DUI Guy, with Larry Foreman, uh, on Sunday night. and we It was a five-hour live stream. I was on for three hours where we read through the motion to recuse Judge DeThomasis. During that conversation, my wall of recusals came up, and... A bunch of people wanted to know what is my wall of recusals. So I thought that would be an interesting thing to talk about. The wall of recusals is something that I've been keeping for years uh, through my investigations into different court scandals. Uh, Every time someone recuses themselves off a case that I'm covering, I add them to my wall. So I thought I would go over a few of, of the people on the wall and why they're there and what landed them there. Starting in, let's start in St. Louis, Missouri. So several years ago, I think it was 2021. I began investigating a case. It was Evita Tolu came to my attention. She's an attorney and she came to my attention because she was suing. She had filed a lawsuit against guardians ad litem in the St. Louis court system. One in particular, uh, named Elaine Pudlowski and she had made a lot of accusations against the guardian that the guardian had acted outside of her ethical guidelines in a custody dispute and had um, basically fixed a case for Evita Tolu's ex-husband who was an abuser according to Evita and police reports that I saw and he but because he had more money she had been Elaine Pudlowski was accused of you know telling the judge to rule in his favor, and he he got custody of both kids. She was also involved in sending many mothers, I think we counted up to 16, 16 mothers to the same court-appointed psychologist who diagnosed every single one of them with the same personality disorder, borderline personality disorder. And that would be a really strange thing because in... (laughs) Borderline personality disorder is one of the rarer personality disorders. And statistically speaking, St. Louis County would have had, uh, you know, way more than its fair share of borderline personality disorders. The local news looked into it. They did an eight minute segment on it. And it was true that this man had made the court psychologist had made just hundreds of thousands of dollars on these cases, taking kids away from mothers who he claimed uh, had borderline personality disorder. Now, when these mothers went to their to other physicians, other psychologists, they were all given a clean bill of health. They were given diagnoses that conflicted with borderline personality disorder. Most of them had PTSD, um, and not borderline personality disorder. And of course, PTSD is something that that a lot of people dealing with family court end up getting because the the process is so traumatic. Evita Tolu files this lawsuit in the 21st Circuit Court of St. Louis, and the chief judge at the time was Chief Judge Michael Burton. There was a leaked Zoom call of 40 guardians ad litem, including Elaine Pudlowski and a bunch of other guardians ad litem that were getting together on a Zoom call to coordinate this lawsuit, and help Elaine. And they admitted in the recording that they had had communications with Ch- Chief Justice Judge Michael Burton about this case. Now that's called ex parte communication. I wrote an article exposing his email. We got our hands on his email and that video, and he had to resign in disgrace. And the entire twenty first Circuit Court of St. Louis had to recuse itself from Avita Tolu's lawsuit. That suit made its way through several appeals and uh, was eventually dismissed because all the actors who worked for the court were given immunity. It was a really terrible case. However, 31 judges had to recuse themselves because of the reporting that I did on that case. So they went up on my wall of recusals. Who's next? Same in St. Louis, Haynes v. Haynes. The the tragic story of Michaela Haynes, a 14-year-old little girl who ended up committing suicide because her guardian ad litem, uh, whose name was Jennifer Williams, continued to try to reunite her with her abuser father. Now, Michaela Haynes' father is Charles Haynes, who uh, was sent to prison for sodomy of Michaela's sister. So Jennifer Williams, the guardian ad litem in the Michaela Haynes case, continued to try and reunite Michaela with her abuser father, who was currently going to jail for sodomizing her sister. Michaela found out that her guardian ad litem was going to testify on her father's behalf in court, and the very next day, she killed herself. It is a horrific story, and when I wrote this story on pjmedia.com, The very next day, Jennifer Williams stepped off the case and I put her on my wall of recusals. And by the way, she had been asked to step off the case multiple times before my reporting on it. And, you know, Michaela's mother, I'll never forget how Michaela's mother was so thrilled that this woman was gone off of the case because she was still trying to interfere with Michaela's younger sister and the visitation with her uh, jailed father rapist father. It was just an incredible story. You can read that story. that's linked below. I have my reporting on that there. Who else is on this board of recusals that we should talk about? Oh, Cynthia Buckley and Shannon Moreau, Burkhart V. Atkins. What a case. This case summed up is a court psychologist and a guardian ad litem in cahoots together to remove children from their father who had been caring for them since they had been abandoned when they were very little uh, by their mother who had a drug problem. Uh, She tried to come back into their lives when they were teenagers and she wanted shared custody. She wanted them to just come back to her with open arms after being gone for 10 years. And the guardian ad litem colluded with uh, Cynthia Buckley, the, the guardian in light name was Shannon Moreau. She colluded with Cynthia Buckley to, to do this reunification thing with mom. And neither one of the kids wanted really anything to do with her because she had not been in their lives for a very long time. They were making up things about, uh, Jacob Burkhardt about his fathering. They were doing all sorts of terrible things. I wrote about them and very shortly afterwards. And I also wrote about the commissioner in that case, uh, Di Tommaso, his name is uh, Commissioner Di Tommaso, and he was being very biased against the father in the case and continuing to force the children to spend time with this woman they didn't even know. And the reunification therapist were, they were Cynthia Buckley, and there was another one too, they were constantly trying to make the children feel guilty for not wanting to see this woman who had abandoned them when they were little. Um, I wrote about this on pgmedia.com. I will link it below. And after I did, Commissioner DiTomaso was taken off the case and it went to a real judge. And the real judge uh, removed Shannon Moreau as the guardian ad litem immediately from the case. And she removed Cynthia Buckley, too. And the children were allowed to go to their own therapist who they already liked and had a good relationship with. And dad got retained his full custody. And they were allowed to, uh, the kids were allowed to make their own decisions as far as visiting their mom. So that's pretty much, That's th- there's more people on that on that wall uh, who have resigned or recused themselves after I start reporting on a case, which just sh- goes to show that sometimes media sunlight can really help in a case like this. And I'm hoping that we'll have the same result in the Hales case in Florida with Judge uh, DeThomasis because he seems to have a real disdain for the First Amendment and judges like that should not uh, be given any power in this judicial system. There's an update in the Laura Owens case. This is so bizarre and strange. The second I think we can stop talking about this case, we have to bring it back up. Over the weekend, um, I think I reported the last time we talked about this case, uh, Laura Owens had made some accusations that she was getting death threats And the death threats, this alleged death threats, were coming from one Facebook posting, one Facebook profile that looks very fake. It was coming from a profile that was called Stella Chen. And Stella Chen had had posted some bad things. This is someone who Dave Neal is familiar with. Dave Neal has been covering this case. Stella Chen had been reaching out to him on Facebook with crazy messages and he did not respond to her. But we're not sure if this troll is actually a troll or it could be Owens herself looking for sympathy and trying to get the judge to seal her case. Well, the judge didn't seal her case. And as soon as that happened, the same, I think it was the same day, Wednesday or Thursday, maybe Friday. So like a couple days after that, this post comes up under the name Lisa Chen, who I think is the same account and just changed the first name. It's obviously a fake, a fake account. But this account doxes Laura's real number and then says, big thanks, Megan Fox. They're just, uh, you know, setting me up. Because the other day I was reading through court documents that were released by the court of Maricopa County. They were not uh, redacted. And in the re- the unredacted version, uh, which, you know, there isn't a redacted version, Uh, Her Laura Owens's phone number came up on one of the filings, which I didn't even notice at the time that I was streaming it. I didn't read it or anything. It was certainly not intentional to put her phone number out there. I, I didn't even see it. And so this does seem like an attempt to blame me for her getting what she says are harassing phone calls for putting out her number. Now, here's what's really insane. Look at this. She has a website called lauramichelleowens.com. On her website, the exact same phone number is published under her contact information. It says Laura Owens' email and phone number right there. Her mother's email and phone number is there as well. I mean, this is just it's silly. Her phone number is not private. She published it herself. Dave Neal had some, some comments uh, on this situation this morning. On his youtube
0: channel see what we're talking about this is doxing so they dox jane doe share it on their page and again share it to a freaking who who's even seeing this anyway it gets posted and and it was very interesting because they share it at the time after megan fox shared it publicly which was legal it was in the court papers if it's not redacted and it's not sealed you can share it we could share it right here for all of you i'm not going to do that i don't want to give any fuel to anybody's, uh, you know, victim, uh, you know, uh, cannonball here. So I'm going to read some of your comments. Someone said right after Megan commented yesterday that she's definitely going to attend the June court hearing. Imagine that, that just leaves mentioning reality. Steve has said, he's going to got to make that no entry list to give to the court's security accurate. So some are wondering, is this her attempt or a attempt at getting Megan Fox and others You know, so that they aren't allowed to be in the courtroom. The court,
1: I think, absolutely, yes. I think she's going to use it or try to use it in court to say that uh, I'm some kind of danger to her or that I have harassed her in some way. But it's demonstrably untrue, considering that she has posted her own phone number on her website and it's still up there today. Uh, And, you know, I have never told anyone to call her, contact her, anything. I'm simply a reporter reporting this case. And I am going to be in Maricopa County at the trial on june 10th to cover that live from there all right so we do have a phone recording of laura owens calling the police reporting these alleged facebook posts uh this was would be before the one mentioning me came out this would have been one of the other ones but i, I swear these phone recordings are so bizarre she sounds like she's ordering takeout Hi, um, I'm calling um, because I have somebody who's threatening me and my mom, um, saying they're going to come shoot us. Okay, what's oh, your no. address? Okay. Uh, my address? Well, I can, I can give my address, but they're actually giving a, the wrong address for my mom, and they're acting like that's where they're going to go. Are they threatening you or threatening your mom? Um, they're saying me, but then they're sending um, uh, they're sending an address for my mom, but
0: it's not actually the right address. They posted it online. Right, the yeah, they posted it online. Is that
1: correct? correct? Correct. Okay, so what's your address? And they've redacted the address, of course, because uh, we're not going to give out anybody's address.
0: Okay, and your name? And your phone number. Okay. And no one's there now that you're aware of?
1: Um not that I'm aware of, no.
0: Okay. All right. I have the call in to have an officer made contact with you in reference to um what they're Threatening um, to make the report. Um, so if you get any blocked or unknown numbers, that might be the officer just uh, reaching out to you. And if for some reason someone does show up, in the meantime, just call 911.
1: Okay, sounds good. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So interestingly enough, the police report shows that police officer did call her back in the next couple of minutes. The phone rang and rang, never went to voicemail. No one picked up. Officer tried back again. Same situation. Nobody picked up the phone, didn't go to voicemail. Um, so she, and, and then they closed the case. So these threats were allegedly so alarming to Laura Owens that she called the police. But then she didn't bother to answer them when they called back. I'm sorry, but I call bullshit on this. This is not real. And whether she made up that account or it's somebody else she knows who did it, or maybe her mother did, I don't know. I don't know. We can't prove it, but it doesn't feel real to me. Perhaps that it's just some weirdo on the internet doing this, but it sure doesn't seem like Laura Owens is taking it very seriously. Or she would have picked up the phone when the police called. All right. The full hearing from last Wednesday has now been posted on YouTube. I will post the link to it in the show notes so you can see the full 40 minutes of Owens v. Eckert status hearing on Wednesday that will be in the show notes. As always, thank you so much uh, for tuning in to Fox Den Daily. You guys are really helping make the podcast a success. If you want to connect with me on a more regular basis and more intimate basis, please come to locals. I'm at meganfox.locals.com. We have so much fun over there sharing memes and jokes and doing fun things and having fun streams. I would love to have you as part of our community over there, so please check it out, and I'll see you tomorrow.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or your favorite place to enjoy the show. Want to hear more from Megan? Sign up at meganfox.locals.com.